Welcome to the Geek-Centric Podcast, and welcome to our spoiler-filled discussion for Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. And at least I died an Avenger. Hey there, my name is Nate, and this is our spoiler-filled discussion for Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Uh, if you're joining us for the first time, we are Geekcentric, a podcast focusing on the world of movies, TV shows, games, toys, and collectibles, and all things Geekcentric. Now again, as I mentioned, this, this, is, uh, this episode contains Jonathan Major spoilers, <laughs> so if you haven't seen the movie yet, you might want to shrink down and avoid the quantum entanglement of this discussion, uh, and then come right back uh, and listen to us gab on about it. Listen, before we, we even get to the discussion, though, I do want to let you know, if you're like us and you love the world of Star Wars, we currently have our watch club for Star Wars The Bad Batch Season 2 with weekly breakdowns every single Wednesday. And if you've been infected with a passion for all things The Last of Us, well, we also have a weekly watch club for that, uh, which goes live uh, on this on your podcast service of choice every single Sunday right after the episode wraps at 10 p.m. Eastern. So check those out and enjoy. But with that out of the way, let's get to it. Joining me for this second quantifiably quality quest into the querysome and quirky but quintessential quantum realm he's got a jejunum made of jelly he's just in the lysosome lawrence i went with lysosome, lysosome. this time yeah it's, yeah so, i'm do you know what another... that is no <laughs> it's it's okay so apparently it's an organelle which i don't know what that word is uh within a cell that contains digestive enzymes to break down waste materials and foreign substances so i think it's really important when it comes to pooping I'm pretty yes. sure that's it. So I and thought I, it was perfect. I like a good poop. I do like a good poop. <laughs> What's perfect. the other one before? A jelly Janusa or Oh, the jejunum. The jejunum. Jejunum. Yeah, what yeah. is a jejunum? A jejunum, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Sounds like a is, sack. It sounds the, like a <laughs> The middle part of the small intestine, which again, so, also yes. good yes. for pooping. So I, I am something that will help you digestively. Yes. Poop in the quantum realm. I like yeah. that. I like you that. You got idea. holes, you know, they're I made got holes. for, for I got pooping. holes in all the right places, <laughs> let me tell you, bro. Oh, man. Justin, we've now been to the quantum realm uh, a couple times, uh, and the movie's yeah. been out for about a week now. Mm -hmm. um, so I thought we'd, we'd jump on here and, and gab about things that we couldn't talk about until now, which is exciting. Which is interesting. Um, yes. it's, it's interesting that we had to wait so long. Uh, to be yeah. able to to uh, to get into this, but I think you know what I, I get it. It's we're respecting the idea of spoilers. What do you think is the the opportune amount of time? I know there's like an unwritten rule out there on the internet. Somewhere. There is, yeah, there is. Know? It's actually ten days, if, if ten I'm not days. mistaken. Uh, I think okay. I think a lot of uh, outlets goes by the rule of about ten days. I ten know days. That. Okay. Um, this was actually our first time that we were given an embargo. Mm -hmm. For spoilers, because if, if if you've joined us in the past for our spoiler discussions on all things MCU, they tend to usually go up the day of uh, when the movie goes out. Because yeah, know, hey, maybe you go see the movie the Thursday night or or the Friday or over the weekend, and you know you want to hear us gab on and on. Um, <laughs> so this was this was different, but I I, I don't know how other uh, outlets handled it. Uh, you know, new rock stars they've been posting a lot of spoiler stuff like uh, right away. 
right away, but they also yeah. didn't. They I don't think they were necessarily embargoed uh, mm-hmm. because they didn't do a review or anything along those lines. So mm-hmm. they were doing that. But I do know that today, February twenty fourth, uh, they will be releasing more of a, a, a sort of traditional spoiler Easter egg breakdown. Uh, from uh, Eric Voss. So I'm, I'm thinking this will be something that'll start to become more normalized as we get through more of these screener opportunities that we may be given a, a hard embargo date for spoilers. Mm. Uh, but stay tuned. We, I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I don't I don't mind as much. I think mm-hmm. the tricky part is, is, is you know, we're we're a little ways out from from maybe seeing it even for the second time. Uh, so it's it's one of those things where it's it's you know, it, it's both easier to plan for, but then you got to really make sure you got it written down or, or that those moments that you want to talk about are, are memorized. Yeah, um, they're top of top of mind. Right. Yeah. So but I like I think, you know, again, just to kind of give a little bit of a foreshadow, the structure of this episode's a little bit more uh, about what we didn't get to talk about rather than revisiting everything. Yes. If you want like our general sort of spoiler free on things like performances, our thoughts on the music in the movie, um, our thoughts on even the narrative structure, you know, again, spoiler free. Definitely check out the spoiler-free review. I think even after listening to this, there's still going to be a lot that you can get from that conversation. So uh, definitely check that out if you haven't already. Uh, But Justin, before we get into the microscopic details, I want to ask you a couple dumb questions. um, I love it. Just to kick it off here. If you could shrink like the ant fam in this movie, uh, what's the first thing you would do if you could shrink down? This was a hard one. I know you sent these in ahead of time. I was trying to think (laughs) of what I would do. Um, I'll tell you what I wouldn't do. I wouldn't okay. shrink down and go into someone's asshole and just try to destroy them like that ridiculous theory. Did that, you know, uh, Justin? It's called the th- it's called the Thanus theory, like the Thanos Thanus. and Anus. Mm. <laughs> Thanus. That, that's that's hilarious. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's the first thing I wouldn't do. Okay, great. Um, I don't know. I think I'd probably I'd try to probably immerse myself in things that I was probably scared of. Oh, okay. The the way I think of it is is Ant-Man 1. You know, when mm-hmm. he shrinks down and he starts interacting with all these bugs, he's a little bit overwhelmed, he's a little bit scared. Right. But he gets used to it, he gets comfortable, he gets normalized to it because he's he's small. I, I, I think if I was going to be doing this more frequently, that's mm-hmm. something I would probably want to do. I'd want to, you know, normalize myself to my surroundings and my environment. I know that might be a bit of a cop-out answer. No, I like but, it. Uh, I like it. You hang think, out with yeah, the bugs? I probably would, yeah, I'd probably go hang out with some ants and, okay. uh, you know, see what's up and, you know, try to be vulnerable and, you know, hopefully have a good sensibility to communicate with them properly. See, my my biggest fear with that, and this is such a, a speciesist... <laughs> elitist fear of being a human and we 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 run this planet because we're humans uh PETA don't come after me but I feel like it would it would make it really difficult for me to harm any insect in the future you know what I mean I think now you sort of you crush a you crush a spider you don't think twice about it and you sort of just move on with your day right but you know I, I just I would if I became friends with ants I guess the only way I could get away with it would be like okay ants like what are your who are your enemies who should I be looking out for when I'm big and tall? And I can I can take care of them for you. But like ants, for the most part, like ah, oh, dude, I don't know if I could smush an ant if I made a, if I made friends with them. Mm-hmm. No, I I agree. I think I think that's uh, you'd have a new perspective. Yeah, you're smaller. There you right? oh, new in many ways. Uh, for many me, ways. I think I would go swimming in a bowl of cereal, like in Honey I Shrunk the Kids. Um, of course, it couldn't be a bowl of cereal that anyone's eating out of. 
But like instead of Cheerios, I think I would go with like Lucky Charms, something softer. Um, get on one of those marshmallows, probably the green clover because it's got the most surface area. Um, <laughs> that's probably that's probably what and I use would it as a do. bit of a donut, like to like float yeah, around. you just float around on it and like you you'd could be eat so it at the same time. After you'd be like so like. It would be Gross. really sticky. Like you'd, you'd have to wash the shit out of that <laughs> suit. <laughs> oh, man. Um, okay, so we, we know what we would do if we would shrink down. Now, in this movie, there's a really great scene, really great gag, where Hank Pym enlarges a really small pizza and turns it into a full-sized pie. Um, if you had some Pym particles, what would you shrink down to keep in your pocket? What would you, what would you rock? My house. Oh, okay. For sure. Yeah, I like I like that idea of like, oh, forgot something. <laughs> just just <laughs> expanding it, the making enti- it big. See, of course you would need you a would good need the land space. Land space. Yes, <laughs> that would be tricky. And the other thing too, oh, that I was I was thinking about because I I watched Ant Man and the Wasp uh, not too long ago, and he does mm-hmm. shrink the house and whatever. I th- was just thinking though, like plumbing like he does he he must have an in inside plumbing situation like i don't know how that works does it work like a well, trailer yeah. park and the basement and the basement wouldn't you know the basement's in the ground right so it's not you're not shrinking the basement you'd just be shrinking everything on top of it but right we, you know in even in ant-man and the wasp um non quantum they have their not quantum media in the <laughs> yeah. second movie where they had their little this big facility like this big building yeah that was like you know under in the basement was was this underground facility i'm like how are you making that small too because theoretically that's in, in the, the ground. ground right so then there should be a so, hole in the ground there should be a hole in the I ground don't, i don't know i don't know i Speaking, like the idea yeah. though i went a little bit more smaller scale with my answer on this um mm. and i know it sounds super lame but dude shrinking down my luggage when i'm traveling First off, they charge way too much for carry-on and checked bags these days. Like mm-hmm. w- like insane amounts. Like to the point where I've I've had moments where I've spent less on actual plane tickets than mm-hmm. on my carry-on. Like mm-hmm. it's absolutely disgusting. So if I could just mm-hmm. shrink down, you know, those things, put them in my pocket, put them in a fanny pack or something, yeah. right? And then and then I That's and great. I wouldn't be doing this to get around security cuz like I I you know that no. question comes up like you're saving cost. You're right. saving cost. So you don't pay for it. When you initially buy your tickets, yeah. you say no. You don't I disclose got no it either. Right? Nobody needs to know. They either. don't ask you at security. You go through security bag check with yeah. all the stuff that's safe and whatever. It's fine. Mm-hmm. And then before you get to your gate, you shrink it all down. Hey. Pop it in your fanny pack. Yep, I think that's a brilliant idea, especially for how many times people lose their luggage. Uh, you know, yeah. I think pin particles would probably uh, get purchased a lot if it was about uh, using it for your luggage so that you can travel light. Well, even uh, think about like Disney, dude. Idea. Like all the souvenirs and stuff stuff I could buy. Oh, dude. You could, you could literally have like, <laughs> like a handful of suitcase. suitcases. You could still get suitcases like you do. Like you literally buy suitcases <laughs> when have, you get yeah. there for just the shit that you purchase. And it's like, <laughs> you could do that, but now you can scale that down and store it in a fanny pack. I dude, love that idea. Huge. You could have multiple, multiple. Oh. Please oh, make it a reality. Cool. Marvel, Disney. Pim particles, yeah, they need to be a thing. Find sure. a way. That's what we should be focusing on. Not cures for diseases. Pim particles. Uh, all right. Well, now that our audiences and us, uh, we've both drank the ooze, um, we can get all covered in spoilers. We can pour spoilers into all of our holes. Uh, I wanted to start off by talking about, um, you know, I think this movie 
a lot of folks have sort of said they, they weren't sure about the comedic aspects to this movie uh, being the third in the Ant-Man trilogy. I, I kind of wanted to start here with sort of favorite mm-hmm. comedic moment, favorite funny moment. Um, I think personally, I think this movie is just as funny as the previous two. There's a lot of comedic moments between Scott, Modoc. Uh, and of course, my MVP of the movie, Veb. Um, so, Justin, kick us off here. What was your favorite comedic moment in the movie? Well, I, I think you you've mentioned where a lot of the comedy kind of lies. It's it's with Veb and Modoc, um, and we'll talk a little bit more about Modoc as we get through. But yeah, I think the introduction to Veb and, and the people uh, of of the quantum oh, realm so that introduction was really really funny. Yeah, because um, it definitely had like a bit more of like a intense scary moment, but then it switched into this comedic. Uh, beat which was really really funny and I think well placed and um, yeah it just it worked really really well in the movie at that point and and Veb was hilarious uh, yeah. I think you said it best in our, our spoiler free you know if you want the best representation of what the quantum realm is from its weird and its bizarre it's in Veb Veb is yeah. is that um, yeah. and I think also his fascination with Scott and his holes and, uh, you know, just understanding, you know, humans and his ooze being this thing that allowed for, for others to understand their communication. Um, it's it's actually it's it was really, really smart, all of that. But, yeah, I think I think Veb would be it. And then also like the introduction of Modoc. Um, you know, oh. I think this is obviously a character that is is seen as being a little bit more, you know, uh, what's the word you could use here? Goofy. Yeah, is is a bit goofy. He's a bit goofy on on paper, and and I think that, you know, it it's it's great to see you know Marvel incorporating him in a, in a live action big budget movie, and I think he did play for the laughs. I think when we we saw his face for the first time, we mentioned it in our our spoiler free. We laughed we both out loud. Laughed like, out loud. And so I, many times again, that you've typed like, lol. This is the yeah, first time I I've felt it. Like yeah. <laughs> like it was, and we were the only ones that I felt in our screening well, were laughing. At and that's moment. what we talked about after, right? Yeah. It's like, is that really meant to be the point, right? Like, it was hilarious. Were we though. supposed to laugh out <laughs> loud like that? I, I kind of think His we... dumb face. It's just so stupid, right? So, so it's stupid. like, it's hilarious. So, um, and, you know, we the scenes that we had with Scott and Modoc kind of feeding into like, oh, what happened to you? And like, look at your baby arms and your baby legs and like <laughs> your baby you know, Bjorn. Just, <laughs> baby Bjorn, yeah. So oh, yeah. I, I thought it was I thought it all worked really, really well. Um and yeah, I think I think comedy comedy still found a way to be a thing in an Ant Man movie of this scale, of this epic scope. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it it didn't lose itself. So for those who are saying that I, I just you know I I don't necessarily agree um with it but i know that a lot of people were missing luis oh i was gonna talk about that yeah luis like like they they had opportunities and and peyton reed has recently Mm -hmm. come out in in an interview as saying that it, it it wouldn't have worked and i just i have a really tough time believing that because i think you know, you've got the idea of of, and I, I love the book ending of of opening with Scott. Um, you know, you got Welcome Back Cotter theme coming in, and then ending with Scott and Welcome Back Cotter theme. And, and I totally understand that. But Justin, you were telling me off air, you were thinking of a great way to implement mm-hmm. Luis would have just been to have him in the moments when we were seeing Scott sort of getting caught up, you know, with the different characters, yeah. getting caught up with Jimmy Woo, you know, having a lunch date with him and that sort of thing. Yeah, I think that would have been a really great opportunity and it would have been great for us to get a little bit of a catch up, right? Like, you know, the classic Louis thing to do is, you know, these rapid fire, uh, you know, um, 
retellings of, of events. So it would have been great to see what he was up to since, you know, Ant-Man and the Wasp. What did he get snapped? What happened to right. him when he came back? And yeah. like, it would have been just great for him to and then insert I was snapped, that in. And then I was in a bathroom and this lady was like, whoa, what are you doing in the bathroom? Get out of the lady's bathroom. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> like It wasn't a lady's bathroom before, but now it's like five years have passed and I don't know where the hell I am and I'm just crazy. Dude, it <laughs> would have been. You know how I like my rosé, bro. I, I think like, again, like fantastic. there's just. It, there would have just been an opportunity to fit him in at some point. Yeah. Uh, so it was a more of a cameo because you know he he definitely was was very um, important in the previous movies. Um, so here it would have been just nice to give him like some sort of option to be there. Like they found a way to get uh, David Desmelchian into this movie. Yeah, as Veb. Yeah, as Veb as another character. Mm-hmm. You know, you maybe that's another route that they could have gone, like another quantum realm a quantum realm version of luis (laughs) yeah exactly sure so he's explaining everything that happened with janet in the last 30 years like i could have yeah Yeah. he's like don't worry bro i got this i will take care of luis and he's like i don't know who you're talking about bro um no i think i think you know what very much missed uh i would really hope that um that is not the end of that character i'd love to see him come back i would even love to see you know we've talked about the ideas of in the past of sort of um uh, a pet Avengers, right? With all the different animals that we've seen recently uh, in the MCU. Like, I still think it would be really fantastic to sort of get a side character MCU sort of mashup, right? Like, we get Katie uh, from uh, Shang-Chi, right? We get we get Luis. Like, I think it would be really fun to sort of get some of these Jimmy characters. Jimmy Woo is their kind Jimmy of, like, Jimmy Woo is kind of their lead. Yeah, he's dude. Got, yeah, he's, he's got them, like, on them. some sort of underground. He's like, you've all been around enhanced beings before. Right? So we have a mission for you. Oh, you know, I think be it would have been really funny. It phenomenal. Would be, it would be, it, and it definitely could play to to um, a very niche audience that sure. appreciates these characters. Just right? do it. So. Do a short series on Disney Plus. It would, you yeah. know, easy win. Uh, but continuing with the quantum mania of it all, um, I think I'm right there with you when it comes to the yeah Veb. Um, like I think the moment that really got me with Veb, especially. Just the fact that he, you know, going off about the holes. Um, I love, I love Paul Red's re- or Paul Rudd's reaction when he, you literally just see him thinking, like, "Yep, that's how many holes I have. Yeah, seven holes. Yeah." yeah. yeah. Um, and he's he does such a good job with that because we're all thinking that in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and even with Quaz, I love the little sort of back and forth of like, "Stop thinking about that," and his head glows and. Yeah, um, every time, every time, it was kind of like a, <laughs> a sort of comedic beat that allowed you to kind of like chuckle and laugh in those moments to understand what was the what was signifying that. So I thought that was great too. It was fantastic. As a fan of the Good Place, it was great to see William Jackson mm-hmm. Harper in the in in the short moments that we had of him. But I think he was really fun here. Um, but I think the the funniest moment for me was with Veb. Um, the the moment he gets his holes, uh, he turns into a freaking Kirby, and yeah. I love it. I love I love the way that the movie. It's it's really fun because it's a moment that sort of rips your heart out because you you mm-hmm. love this character by this point, um, but you know you see Veb getting shot up, and then immediately the movie fills that hole in your heart. Uh, with an empowering moment for this character getting holes. And I just love, I love the turn. Like, I had no idea he could do that. And just this really, really fun, happy moment. Um, so I think for me, that might have been the moment that I was sort of like laughing out loud the most, just from the sheer sort of shock of, oh my gosh, are they actually going to kill Veb to instant yeah. laughs of just this well, is amazing. I think, I think you're probably one of the few, maybe, I, again, 
that really, really appreciated Veb's character and understood the sort of <sighs> justice for Veb. <laughs> yeah, the impact that he had, especially the way he just talked about, like, they rip it from your heart with his potential death. Like, you know, I don't know if anyone was talking about Veb in that way. I think he but like, again, he was he was so he was so charming. And and I think that, as you mentioned, very much what the quantum realm is, is represented in his character and the, and the weirdness and the sort of the personality. So I think that, you know, again, he had a, he had a lot of heart. Absolutely. Um, and and I think speaking of heart, I think Cassie uh, had a lot of really great comedic opportunities. There's one moment, though, with Cassie, and she doesn't even say anything, that sticks out in my mind. And I, I literally just chuckle at it every time I think about it. Phenomenal delivery uh, from Catherine Newton, where he sees, Scott sees that she has a suit. And then she's like, yeah, I have a suit. And then she does this little, like, sort of, like, curtsy. This little tiny curtsy thing. It's so subtle. Just this kind of... And I'm like, that is Scott Lang's daughter. Like, that's exactly what Scott would do in that situation. I just thought it was so lovely, so charming. Um, but listen, this movie is not just a comedy. Um, as we've been saying, like, this entire time, Peyton Reed, I think, did a great job of sort of blending comedy and the more serious tones. Uh, so, Justin, let's let's talk about maybe the overall number one what is the the scene that that you want to shout out as one that still sticks with uh, with you after this movie? Well, I think it's the scene that best captures the heart and the family aspect of Ant Man, and that is Scott's journey into the probability storm. Um, when he ends up there, and and we see all these different Scott Langs, um, you know, it becomes very overwhelming, and he becomes flustered, mm-hmm. almost like. A a, a bunch of ants sort of lost yeah. with no no central signal and what's great is as this this frenzy starts to happen you hear Cassie come through on the mic and you know say you know like I love you dad just come back to me dad just come back to me and that's yeah. what brings all the Scots focus together and that's actually more of a callback I think to the first Ant-Man movie where Hope is giving Scott advice in the car, uh, how to use the signal, how to speak to the ants, um, and to think of Cassie's love. And, and I think that that's so great that we get to see it sort of take, take form here. So it was a great sort of connection back to the first one, while also really cementing what, what motivates, what drives Scott in this moment and in, in, in everything that he does. And that's his, the love for his daughter, mm-hmm. which is why he was able to, to achieve that. But then you also then have the moment where, you know, they think they're going to get it and they, they fail, but then, you know, Wasp comes in, you know, the idea that, you know, the, f- the friendship and the bond that the two have formed, you know, she's always there to, to, to catch him. Right. Mm-hmm. So I just thought this, this whole moment, this whole sequence in the middle here where, where they go into the, the probability storm really very much captures and encapsulates everything we know and love about the Ant-Man franchise. And I remember looking over to you and just being like, Oh, that's just so, that, that was super cute. Like yeah. it was just a really endearing moment. And I don't know, it worked. It really worked for me. I, I get that maybe people might connect with that and see some of the emotion and maybe want a little bit more of that throughout the rest of the movie. But for me, like, in this moment is everything we know and love of of Ant-Man. I think, um, you know what, it's interesting that you, you say that. It, that is my top moment as well, um, is the, the probability storm scene. I think, yeah, seeing Scott drowned by the possible outcomes of himself is a really interesting message. 
Um, he kind of gets in his own way a lot of the times. And, uh, and so to have him focus on Cassie, the one thing that all the Scots unquestionably agree on is how much they love her and, um, and that they do anything for her. And I love, you know, again, you, you shouted it out. They are, they are acting like ants. It's interesting. I looked it up. Um, ant bridging apparently is an actual thing uh, that mm-hmm. ants do. Um, so that's most likely where they, they sort of got this idea of these, these ants using their collective bodies to traverse, uh, Mm -hmm. this situation. And yeah, man, I think it was so dope. You can't help but smile in that moment. Like I I went to see it with a group of friends, um, you know, for the second time that I went and saw it and, I literally just, I didn't, I, I watched the scene, but then I, I kept looking over at them and all of them had massive smiles on their face the moment he starts climbing up. I love the Baskin Robbins, Scott, is so positive <laughs> the, entire, the entire time, is so good. Um, it's such a, a wonderful, wonderful moment. And it's a heist. I think, you know, you mentioning it, exactly. it being a callback and a reference to sort of the idea of the this entire trilogy i think that the entire trilogy thematically is summed up in that one scene um and it's really really beautiful and him also having like a very special skill set yes that needs to be utilized in a way to pull off this heist yep right and the way that she and the way and the yeah and the way that she comes in uh hope comes in and is so capable right again it's just it's literally all these these sort of um aspects about these characters that are, are brought in. Um, I think the only other one then, if if because we have the same one I would go with, um, that I really would want to shout out would be the giant, giant man. Uh, the, the, the almost attack on Titan <laughs> kind of mm-hmm. moment of him coming through the smoke and you just see, you just see MODOK and Corey Stoll just turn to him and just be like, well, that's big. <laughs> like, like I just yeah. love how again we get that sort of callback to the the second movie. But he is massive. It's like a kaiju moment, yeah. right? He's yeah. he's busting up things. He's 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 breaking things. Uh, and to see him, and then to see uh, Cassie just quickly sort of match that and mm-hmm. uh, and and run into this situation, I think also sort of speaks to her character quite a bit in the sense of that she is a go getter. She is very much like. A, you know, she needs to do, she needs to help her dad in that moment. And so right. just like the previous scene that we just talked about of doing him doing anything to get to her and to help her, she's doing mm-hmm. the same thing. She's, she's literally like getting to a place that's taken him so long to get to from a power right. set standpoint, which again, right. a lot of people could look at and criticize of just sort of saying like, oh, like how does she already know how to, how to be, get that big? You know, how does she sustain well, she, that, that sort of thing? But yeah. I think, but I think story-wise, I think, narratively wise it it's really poetic i think it's really beautiful it and is. i think it's the idea that she's trying she, to keep up she can do anything um yep. in in order to save her dad and uh exactly really beautiful and really, to be a really hero lovely. yeah to be her hero right because like again i think i think you know her story arc through through this is is about becoming the hero that she knows that she can be and the different and making a difference that she knows she that she, she knows in, inside of herself that she can make yeah so I think that it's it's you know when we deviate from the story and we start to see her kind of running her own mission and yes. not really knowing what the hell's going on like it does feel very reminiscent of Scott in the first Ant-Man movie right kind of figuring it out as as they as they go about it and you know that's that's kind of the the nature of the of the hero origin story if you will well you know we we've 
we've talked an awful lot about the heroes of the movie and uh and you know we just mentioned cassie's sort of side story in the third act of this movie um let's talk about what's what's not standing in her way, but floating in her way, if you will. Uh, let's talk more about Modoc. You know, again, we audibly laughed out loud seeing mm-hmm. the reveal of his face. Um, you know, I, I think the other big laugh out loud, and this was with the entire audience this time, was seeing his naked, wet ass. <laughs> just sort of, just little, tiny, little cheeks. Um, I thought he was great in the movie. I think Corey Stoll had so much fun playing as this character um it does however i did want to bring up the death of modok i wanted to talk a little bit about that um and i i think it it's interesting because it raises a problem that i feel a lot of folks have with the marvel cinematic universe in contrast to something like the comics universe where i know the comics are a little more forgiving with the idea of killing a villain or the idea of using the multiverse to bring villains back. Whereas with the MCU, I feel like a lot of folks sort of feel like with characters like Gore, the God Butcher, or Hela, Mysterio, Ultron, a lot of these characters are kind of, they're just used. They're just one shot, one movie, and and then they're gone. And they're such phenomenal characters, where in... The movies, we get situations where we get to see like, oh my gosh, I can't believe so-and-so's back on the hero side. But we really haven't gotten that from a villain standpoint of like, you know, uh, oh my gosh, I can't believe they brought this this villain back all the way from, you know, from from Thor 2 uh, or Thor, you know, um, Thor, not Thor 2. I wouldn't want Malachi or whatever that guy's name is. <laughs> Thor 3, uh, Thor Ragnarok. But I'm just saying like, do you think that there is an MCU problem, and and do you think killing off Modok here was the right choice? I don't. I, I don't know. Like, I think the, the, there's there's a point to be said here about a version of Modok was killed, right? Right. And okay. Maybe that plays into what you're talking about with the multiverse and things kind of fixing it. Um, but you know, I I think that probably is my only problem is like that I don't think they should have killed him. In all honesty, I don't as much as I loved him and I loved what they did with the character, he does feel kind of shoehorned into this movie. Mm. He does feel kind of like in here as like an additional He's the Riri Williams. Yeah, America sort of, Chavez. <laughs> yeah, more of the America Chavez, okay. right? Like just kind of thing. And then, you know, the fact that they they killed him, it's it it's it's unfortunate, but that said, you know, the fact that they were able to find a way to bring Modoc into this, and it makes sense in the quantum realm. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, it makes total sense. But this is where I think the divisiveness amongst other things like the visual effects really comes from it with, with how people are reacting to this movie is how things like Modoc are handled and how Modoc looks, mm. right? Like, I don't know how else you're going to do Modoc unless he just stays in his little robot face the entire time but then that's just a bit of a cop-out right Right. so i think that the way they did it made sense it also draws out the ridiculousness of it yep you know um, fits within the quantum realm it it entirely fits in the quantum realm you got a broccoli guy see yeah exactly (laughs) we got a broccoli guy but we also got like we saw the visual of what was happening to darren as he went into it yes and how they found him and and you know you know, again, I think another thing a lot of people might have a problem with is is that adaptation, is taking Darren Cross and now adapting him to be uh, Modoc. Mm-hmm. Smart from from the perspective of, of the writing to draw a connection back to the first villain, mm-hmm. right? To really tie 
the first movie in with this this uh, this third movie. But that said, I don't I don't think it, I don't think it worked for fans. Uh, I think that in many cases, because he was taken a little too jokey and killed off, I don't think people really appreciated it. And I think others just didn't like the visual effect and it kind of took them out. But mm. again, I just, it was, it is what it is. You know, uh, he, he, he was crushed and banished to the quantum realm and, you know, Kang found him and he was just, you know, a floating head with baby limbed <laughs> arms. Baby arms. comes a killing machines. Yeah. Like yeah. it's just, you know, like it's, it's, it's nuts to think like, again, you wouldn't be able to do that without the quantum realm. Right. Right. Like that, it just wouldn't, it doesn't make, any sense really in the mcu outside of the quantum realm right so i don't know i'm kind of like mixed on it like i, I liked how they handled it i'm not crazy about the fact that they killed him but at the same time you know they didn't need to shoehorn him in do you know what i mean right if that makes sense it's interesting because i saw a take on online uh i can't remember who who posted it but they said they would have liked uh modok to just be the villain in the movie uh and not have as much of an emphasis on kang and i i it's an interesting take i don't know I don't know how, like, I, you also have to think of this from a marketing standpoint, and it's like, does that get butts in seats? I'm not sure. Marvel no, Jonathan Majors coming Kang. off of Phase 4. Right, exactly. Yes. They need uh, Kang, Kang, Kang the Conquerors got, got, here. Exactly. Um, yes, they, Kang put, put some asses in the seats for sure, and yeah. I, I think I've read the same take, and I don't know. I, I think, like, again, if you remove Kang or just Jonathan Majors' por- performance from this movie, I don't know if it's going to... It wouldn't have done as well, right? Mm-hmm. And if Modok was the only bad guy who was leading this army, and at the end it was revealed that he was leading this army for Kang, right? You know, he was he was he was doing this for Kang. I don't know. I just don't know if that would have have worked. So you know, again, it's kind of like why not just have him out of it and maybe he got away. Like I would rather have that he got away rather than that he died, right? But he died an Avenger, uh, and I think that was such a phenomenal. <laughs> moment when he's like, "You're like a brother to me," and he's like, "I, I, I, I am, <laughs> I am, I, okay, I am, yes, um, I, yeah." Because he's like, he's like grazing his face, yeah, he's like with, hey, his, with little his little baby, baby hands, hand. and he's like, he's like, "I, I am, yeah," like <laughs> and he's like, "But I am a dick." Like he just notices. He, he's again, really, really fun stuff from from Corey Stoll, uh, hamming it up in that role. Um, but I, I do think. Jonathan Majors as Kang um, is one of the biggest reasons that people went to see this movie um, just to see. Well, he was what in is, all the marketing. Yeah. And what is he this? Was in all the marketing. What does this mean? Um, yeah. This movie, you know, yes, it's the third in a trilogy, but like in the spoiler free that I, I talked about, it, it very much is an origin story in a lot of ways. Um, and so as an origin story for, for Kang, it, I, I, I have sort of, Mixed feelings going back, seeing it a second time of just sort of, should it fully have been an origin story for Kang? Nope. Um, nope. Is there a way that we could have done it a little bit differently? Um, but, I mean, he was outstanding. He was phenomenal. Shakespearean yeah. performances from Kang. Um, he was a lot more collected uh, than I even anticipated. I thought he was very, mm-hmm. he, was, he wasn't he was as sort of um, chaotic uh, as I expected. Um but what did you you know what but did you kind of think time. of yeah so so in terms of of Kang um obviously we're going to we're going to talk about um you know kind of the the end result with him did you enjoy that sort of final battle uh with him how do you think he was he was portrayed there uh and then even in the final fight um let's let's kind of dig into that i think jonathan majors as you were saying throughout 
outstanding. Of course. Uh, he elevates this movie uh, to a whole new level. Um, his his performance was haunting, was was terrifying. He, you know, again, as as all the tweets were saying, he is Ken the Conqueror. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he he definitely has a presence that affirms that he is a villain to be reckoned with. Mm-hmm. And there's a confidence in his performance. There's an arrogance. There's there's also a calculated, uh, manic attention to detail that he he seems to have, and an obsession. But I'm liking that we have bits and pieces of his origin. We don't have it all. Mm. We don't have it all, right? I think that you know we have phase five and six. Probably more about Kang's dynasty is where we're going to see what really happened. Mm-hmm. But you know the the good folks over at New Rockstars they they do some fantastic work. That Eric Voss <laughs> he does he does some fantastic work. Yeah, and you know there's he's been he's been talking about some stuff um, in, in a live stream that I I, I was fortunate enough to kind of like just watch and, and, and listen. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about the fact that there's there's holes in, in the origin story. And I think that those holes will be filled in, oh, especially given the holes. first... Yeah, exactly, <laughs> as, as, we've, as we've discussed. Yeah. Um, but given the fact that we see this mid-credit scene um, with, with some variants, that kind of leads us to understand a little bit more mm-hmm. of that. And, you know, they had a really great theory. You know, if he who remains... From Loki was the one who ended the multiversal war with the Kangs. Then Kang the Conqueror is the one that started it. Mm-hmm. So we've now seen the opposing ends of this multiversal war. Interesting. And now that things have unhinged themselves from Loki, we now have the Kang, Kang the Conqueror making an appearance. Now I don't think he's dead, mm-hmm. and I think that's that that there's a safe bet to say that whatever happened in that moment when he. Uh, I guess he was like sort of shrunken down inside it, of it, his multiversal. Orb. It was very similar to what happened to to Modok, right? What happened to to, to Corey Stoll? Very much, character. very much. But I think the multiverse, it's it, the multiversal orb was was sort also part of that that thing that he got sucked into. Yeah, it was in that machine, and he gets sucked into it. So who knows? He might just be floating through multiversal space right now. Yeah. And, you know, doing something and he's going to come back with a vengeance with an absolute vengeance. So, but I also really appreciated, you know, we mentioned it in our, our spoiler free, the hand to hand combat. Yeah. Um, you know, we saw moments of, of Kang with, you know, with his powers, which albeit look like pruning, uh, just, just going to say that. Oh yeah. They, they were definitely like wow. pruning beams from his hands. Yeah. Uh, cause people were just being, pruned left right and center and that's kind of what he's doing and you know if he is the chaos you know again like I mentioned he who remains is sort of the the calm sure he and, and he keeps things organized mm-hmm. right and hence the tva and what he did with that to kind of help solidify a a, a sort of organization that's dedicated to to the pr- preservation of the multiverse and of, of time mm-hmm. um so you know you have these two opposing ends of of kangs that we've met now and here in this one to see the sort of rage fueled villainy that kind of exists in small amounts i get it it's in it's definitely in small amounts but i'm glad that they didn't give it to us all up front i'm 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 happy that there's still some there's still some room here for us to expand a little bit more cuz i personally don't think he's dead i i don't i think he's i think he's he's stuck somewhere else he's now banished to something else scott did something with that whole, you know, with the pen particles and sent him to somewhere else. So I, I just, it'll be interesting to see how he comes back. Like one theory that they were floating around on new rock stars is maybe he comes back as the beyonder. 
like maybe they retcon the 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 beyonder and and it now becomes a kang variant uh that yields the 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 secret wars the beyonder is the one that very much uh brings about the secret wars where multiversal uh incursions you know they'll they'll fight uh, if you will against one another so you that's where you see your heroes fighting other heroes um, Interesting. So maybe, I mean, maybe you know, that's, even that's seeing with, with with Modok, they're not afraid to do that yeah. sort of thing. Um, exactly. I think, I think he was he was. It's interesting because a, a buddy of mine, after we saw the movie, sort of came out of the movie and was a little um, tepid with his thoughts on how they handled Kang and and how they they sort of. He he was kind of like, wow, I mean, Ant Man is the one that that defeated. Kang the Conqueror, and I just had to didn't keep, defeat him. Well, this is this is it. I just had to keep reminding him of he's not defeated, and I I think I think the the idea that he's in the probability storm, you know, he's 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 so smart. I think the idea is that you know him working with his probable selves, right? I mean, obviously, you know, him working with other Kangs didn't work out. That's why he was banished. But this isn't just other Kangs. This is other probable versions of him. So I think not only does he find a way out, I think he fixes the multiversal engine core, but he's out for vengeance, right? And so where before he was very much like, Janet, I'm not going to even touch your timeline if you let me go. Like, you will never even hear of me again. But the fact that that she was the cause and the Ant fam was the cause for, for him having to go through all this, I think that fuels him to then, you know, want to exact his revenge on this timeline. I think he becomes more capable down there, but at the same time, he becomes more unhinged. And so yes. I kind of expect that maybe, you know, it, it's, it's almost like... Um, they ended up causing sort of the 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 reason yes. that he wants yes. to attack them well, uh, and and come after that timeline like this is again as an origin story this is the this is the sort of the cause for him to say well I wasn't going to go after your timeline but now I'm literally going to burn every single one of you yes exactly and i i think that that's very much captured in the final moments of of the movie as we we start the way we began yes you know welcome back plays you know scott's walking through the streets of san francisco he's a dog in a baby carrier yeah which again like it's almost as if something has changed yes right there was, like, like, there's, like there's, why there's was the hints... like why was the coffee so expensive right right and like why what, what was with the cake why did it taste so bad yeah you know you see the cake is green like very much like a, a, a tealy green very similar to that of kang oh. you know the balloons are purple and, and then just just the the sort of haunting terror that exists in scott in his mind just like it did in that probability storm yeah where he's having alternate thoughts of like well, did I just did I just mess something up mm -hmm. are we all gonna die is something gonna happen and I think that that to, your, to the point that you're making, I think that's very telling to them being the reason why things are going to get pretty crazy for them as they go further into phase five. Yeah, I honestly, I half expected them to just do a Loki season one finale again and have him like mm. look up to where like the, 
I don't know, they're, what are they, in San Francisco? So, like, look up to where the yes. bridge should be, but then there's just a statue of Kang in the water. Like, something like that, right? Like, I thought that Very that lost. was... Yeah, like, it's like, holy shit, like, just, you know, Planet of the Apes situation again, right? Yeah. Um, but um, but let's get to that, the, the after that scene, let's get to the end credits, uh, or I guess mid-credits scene, opens up to the Council of Kangs, uh, a meeting Yo. place for all the Kang variants across the, the multiverse. Um, the scene centers on a unique trio of Kangs, all played by Jonathan Majors, as they reflect on the news that the, quote, exiled one has been killed by two Avengers. Uh, so in this, we get Immortus. Uh, he's the one that's like, I'm Kang, and he talks like that. Uh, and he's an older, more powerful version of Kang from the far future, who in the comic books wishes to eliminate all the inferior Kang variants. There's Rama Tut, uh, the Egyptian mm-hmm. pharaoh version of Kang. And then there's a third version of Kang, uh, sort of younger looking, uh, more of a, you know, like a futuristic blue outfit. Yeah, this, this might be the Kang that is the father of, of Iron Lad. Oh, okay. Um, so if I'm not mistaken in the comics, Iron Lad is obviously a young Avenger uh, that is, is of the lineage of Kang. Mm-hmm. And... He was being trained by by another Kang variant to be a villain, but he chose his own path. So there's been some theories that this third variant that we see, because it's pretty clear, like you said, Immortus, they're having some liberties there, but he's definitely the first, probably one of the first as well as Ramatut, uh, being another another one of those original Kangs. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are both characters, if I'm not mistaken, that were sort of retcon into Kang. Yes. Maybe just Immortus, actually. I think Immortus was actually the only the one that was kind of retcon into uh, uh, Kang. Uh, so, you know, they don't have a definitive name for the third sort of cyborg. He kind of reminded me of Cyborg from uh, the Justice League. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right? Because so, he's, he's got that look. But each performance that Jonathan Majors portrays is, is different from one another. Um, and it's interesting, too, the scars. Mm-hmm. The scars on the face, mm-hmm. right? Like... What does that really insinuate? Because I think Ramatat had them. I don't think Immortus had them. No, can't remember. And then, and we know the the cyborg version of of Kang did not have them. No, I'm um, wishing a couple through the crowd. I'm wishing we had Darcy on to kind of clear something up for me because I was also seeing some information that this could be the Scarlet Centurion. Um, which is that the same? person is iron lad is that a different person it's a medieval different no kang? it's a it's a medieval version of of kang okay it's sort of like has this sort of armory a lot of people were saying the same thing online but yeah. they said that the the distinction is the the red armor now someone a, a new rock stars eric voss pointed out that in that crowd of people right in one of the shots you do see uh, uh someone in very like sort of medieval armor which mm-hmm. could be that version that you're speaking of, uh, the Scarlet Saturian. Mm-hmm. But there's also someone with a red outfit that's sort of in the background. That's that's also, uh, you know, could be the Scarlet Saturian. I think that, again, it, it's, it's ambiguous for a reason, mm-hmm. right? I think, you know, we're going to get more of this dynasty and the history of it oh, of course uh, which i look forward to yeah like in in the in its own movie i think it's gonna be great um there's yeah there's you know talking about some of the the different kang variants um one that was sort of mentioned as well is kang uh q uh is it q e n g or yeah, yeah, kang yeah, yeah. um of course in loki uh you know we did get, we did see kang tower 
Um, and it was a, apparently it's a business version, a suited up mm-hmm. version of Kang. The, uh, yeah, you see Kang, in the background there, right? Yeah. So that could yeah. be really uh, intriguing. I also, and and this is interesting. I tried looking it up. I couldn't find anything in the original comic book. There's sort of like a monstrous looking version of Kang, but I just got complete scroll vibes from the Kang that you see on the far right side, right yeah. near the as soon as it like once the screen goes black. <laughs> And, and it has the he's got like the green of, of look to it. Yeah. The nose looks very so. You know, with with um, with Secret Invasion coming up, you know, do we get do we do? And this might be kind of reaching for the stars here, but do we see a scroll a Kang scroll variant uh, in that series? Maybe, maybe not. Um, I, uh, I don't know. I, I'm I'm thinking more likely. More likely on the not, but I, I agree with you. I think that what's interesting is that there's there's not just different iterations of Kang. There's different species. Yeah, of Kang exactly, which is which is more more of the interesting because I, I don't know if that's a scroll because I, I know in the there's a comic panel if I'm not mistaken yes. from 1984 maybe 86 I can't remember that very much depicts the exact moment that we see in this mid credit scene. Yeah, that creature can be seen in the panel as well as in this in this moment. Mm-hmm. So. I think it's more just kind of speaking to, you know, uh, the adaptation accuracy of that moment. Um, but yeah, like, but like, there's I, like a sure dog I... version of Kang at one point. Like, there, no. yeah, dude, I'm looking up, I'm looking up pictures from that exact comic that you're referring to, and there's yeah. one that I don't know if it's just a, a helmet, but it pretty much looks like a dog. <laughs> I don't know. Cool. Maybe they won't go that cool. far, um, or maybe they will. I don't know. We got to talk. Maybe they will. Like tree. honestly, anything is <laughs> is possible. But like even in the panel, there's like this creature that you know has like this weird nose. It's is not you know blue faced um, with the the shield guard, mm-hmm. but has the blue has blue scars yeah. on their face, yeah. right? And I think the scars are gonna are gonna matter. They're mm-hmm. gonna they're gonna be integral. Um, you know, there's another version of Kang with like six eyes. There's another one yeah, with one eye. It looks like a celestial uh, yeah, version. I'm of, telling you, of man. Kang. So, so it's it's going to be interesting to see how far they take it and and how many Kangs we actually get. Um, yeah, and I'm wondering though, you know, though, if if like what we're seeing though is things that we we've got. Like again, I think that what the MCU is going to do really well with Kang is is they they're already starting to do it with with seed planting, but. Remember in Loki season one at the mm-hmm. end in the Citadel when he mm-hmm. walks in and we see the timekeepers, right? Mm-hmm. And there is a statue that is destroyed. Is that Kang statue? Is the representation of the other three, the three that we met in the end of this? Right. So is that the in, conqueror in that was, was broken? Exactly. The conqueror mm-hmm. that was that was destroyed while the other three represent uh, Cyborg, you know, Cyborg, <laughs> sure. uh, Kang, yeah. Yeah. Iron uh, Lad, Mortis, Kang, and, and, and Ramatat. Yeah, and Ramatat. exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so so it, and that's what's really that's what's really interesting, and the fact that, like I was saying before, like he who remains deems himself as as the person that ended the multiversal war, right? And I think, as we know, Kang the Conqueror is the one that started it, right? So now that everything's out of whack, how how does this affect things, and is that why we may get the affirmative answer that a Kang variant bought the Avengers Tower? Right in the RMCU proper, and that's how we're going to start to see a version of Kang kind of trickle through. Because uh, there's a lot of rumors that Spider-Man is going to be pretty integral to Kang's dynasty, 
uh, as, as part of the team, if you will. Um, and if there is a Spider-Man movie that is in the works, is this where we get introduced to who bought his mentor's, you know, building, if you will. Interesting. Interesting. Well, let's, let's kind of dive into what's next. We'll kind of be the last section of this, uh, mm-hmm. conversation here. And, you know, we get the, the post credit scene, uh, opens with Victor Timely, uh, another known Kang variant standing on stage, giving a speech in the early 1900s. He says, time is everything. Uh, and he's he's kind of got like this wonderful mustache, but it's still Jonathan Majors wearing some glasses and a three-piece suit. Uh, he says, it shapes our lives, but perhaps we can shape it. Um, and then the camera pans to the crowd, and we see that Loki and Mobius uh, are in the audience, uh, probably tracking variants of He Who Remains since the events of Loki season one so victor timely um i i could see this being maybe the first kang variant uh and obviously we'll explore more in in loki season two but what do you think is happening next in the kang storyline well i think loki is is going to talk about obviously the kang variants but maybe with victor timely it's specific to the tva okay maybe that's how they adopt some of their technology maybe he's sort of the the gatekeeper and origin of, of some of that tech. That so do you think this is, its way. do you think Victor Timely, sorry, so do you think Victor Timely is the, is he who remains? Like, is that kind of where you're looking at here? And he doesn't think, know them at this point? I, well, no, because then the other aspect to it too is like, he who remains doesn't live in time. I don't know if any of the Kangs necessarily have that sense of like before and after no, I, they're I, seeing I, sort I'm, of all well, times I'm, at all not times. To say, not to say that, for sure, but I, I don't think that you know he who remains made the technology. I think he's just appropriating the technology okay. that his other Kang variants have made. Okay, right? I think w- w- with whatever we unravel around the Kang variants, we'll tie back to the TVA. We'll tie mm. back to the history of the TVA because the most intriguing part of Loki, apart from you know he who remains, is the TVA and, right. and what it what it means and how it situates itself as this multiversal police force, right? And there there was that mystery has never been resolved, right? Like no. has has never been concluded. We just found out who was pulling the strings on the other side. So, you know, again, I think that with with the introduction with this like little snippet of of Victor Timely, I'm hoping that we'll see a little bit more and it might be cameo to cameo from episode to episode. I can't see him being an integral character, mm. right? But at the same time, you know, we don't know enough yet to 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 guess. Like I, I, there's rumors that we'll probably get a trailer sooner rather than later yeah. for Loki, like a f- proper trailer. I and mean, there've been leaks online. This moment, right? There was a leak online of uh them in suits in this and and in, in this, this moment era, if I'm not yes. mistaken, yeah, it, so yeah, and I think so this at looks, the theater and stuff yeah. like that. So this this seemed like it could have been very much just a scene out of Loki that we mm-hmm. might even see again. Uh, come we season will, two, we will 100 percent right? see it. Yes, um, I think they're going to traverse not just the multiverse but through time as well. And I think I think the MCU has an opportunity with Loki season two to really help nail down some of these rules. Because I will be honest with you, as a non-comic book reader, not that I don't read the comic books, I just haven't read them and I should read them more. Yeah. But as somebody who's mostly watching the MCU through, or the Marvel through the MCU, those rules still don't feel 
fully established for me. And I don't want to go on a, mm. a big rant as to how to explain the differences between, you know, the multiverse, time travel, uh, what does that look like? And, and so I think they have a real opportunity to help sort of solidify that a little bit more with season two. But I think right. the idea that they try to go back to the original Kang to assassinate him, right? And I think that would be a really intriguing idea of, you know, how do they struggle? Do they struggle with the idea of killing this person who maybe actually is a really fantastic, wonderful human being, Victor Timely, and now they have to sort of, you know, struggle and wrestle with the idea that, but no, he's still going to result in Kang and, and in who, He Who Remains. And so I'm almost wondering if they end up causing the events that lead to Kang the Conqueror specifically. Um, and I think that would be really, really fun. Like like you were saying, if if He Who Remains is sort of uh, the end of the multiversal, the multiversal uh, war and you know, Kang the Conqueror is kind of the, the, the beginning. What if we're going even further before that to then see how did he get to where he is in the quantum realm? I think would be really, really fun. Well, I like the idea too. Like we don't know who the original Kang or Nathaniel Richards is. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like we haven't, we're not, I, I don't know if we'll get that. Maybe we will eventually get that. Mm -hmm. um, but I also really like what you pointed out there. Like even Mobius says, well, he doesn't seem that bad. Yeah. Wow. You know oh. what I mean? Like, yeah. and, and, and maybe that is one of those situations where Victor Timely is a Kang variant, not knowing that he's a Kang variant. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, he's doing his part, but he doesn't know that he's doing his part for bad, right? Like, he doesn't know that he is the bad guy. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, kind of like, as we were talking about with, you know, uh, you know, things like in The Last of Us or even in Andor uh, mm -hmm. as the best example, right? Good people doing bad things and bad people doing right. good things, thinking that they're doing good for the bad. So, uh, you know, again, I think that it, we could we could see that there's so many variants of Kang. Who's to say that there's one variant there that just isn't part of the whole thing? Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like you would think that it, it's like it's like if you're a Kang that lives in a specific multiversal timeline, then what you're you're on the end. It's like someone comes and says, "Hey, there's more of you everywhere." Yeah, all at once. You get a you get a Nick multiverse. Fury Kang with an eye patch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he comes yeah, in and exactly. There was an idea. I, I want to talk to you about joining <laughs> the Kang Council Initiative, Justin. If there's a Kang Avengers that shows up, holy crap, that would be incredible. <laughs> well, that's what Kang Dynasty is is going to be, right? Like, I yeah. think it's going to be more or less the origin story. And I see it mirroring that of Infinity War. Mm. Like, we talked about this even in the, in the spoiler-free. We got sprinkles of Thanos throughout phases one to four. Yeah. Uh, leading to Infinity War, where he had his own story and we we understood his motives. And, and again, as comic book fans and, and people who knew it, they knew the story of, of what Thanos was going to do, but they made it matter in this in that movie. And I think that's what Kang's dynasty is going to do. It is going to solidify the uh, villain's motives mm -hmm. and intent. And throughout the rest of the movies leading up to Kang's dynasty, we'll see Sprinkle. And like you mentioned, with Secret Invasion around the corner and it is a series, I don't think all series and movies are really going to be important to yes. the the Kang story. Yeah. They, yeah. they all matter in terms of canon, of course, mm -hmm. but that's that's its, its own separate conversation than sure. Kang, I think. And yeah. I'm sure we will continue to have that conversation and continue to have all the conversations oh, yeah. with the various watch clubs uh, that we'll be, we'll be doing. 
Well, it seems like, you know, as just a final note, looks like things have been are changing gears over at uh, Marvel Studios with their release strategy. Uh, mm-hmm. They haven't formally said this, but there's been a lot of, of uh, behind the scenes confirmation that we'll only probably get two series on Disney Plus uh, this year, which will be Secret Invasion and Loki season two. Mm-hmm. And in terms of movies, they've they've shifted uh, the release strategy and it looks like uh, Ms., uh, the Marvels will be he- coming out in November and no longer in July. Um, and But Guardians is still uh, the next movie that w- that we'll get. That's correct. Yeah. And I'm I will say Guardians looks phenomenal. Um, you know, I, I'm excited to see what happens with with the Marvels and with with Secret Invasion. But I think Loki season two especially after what we just saw. Oh, man. I think that's yeah, my... F- it's going to matter the most. It's the one that I'm most yeah. excited for, uh, at least for this mm-hmm. year from Marvel in particular. But that is it. We hope you enjoyed this small but mighty spoiler-filled discussion for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. And if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts. And if you want to write into the show with your thoughts on this movie, you know, any of the spoilers that we talked about, are you like, yo, you guys are crazy. This movie was awful. Or maybe you think the movie was phenomenal. Or maybe you didn't want MODOK to be in it or whatever. Let us know. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna call every single variant of Justin to meet with the Council of Justins so that they can let you know how you can reach us. Well, they can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Or they can reach out to us on Twitter at GeekcentricYT or on Instagram at wearegeekcentric. I thought you were going to be like, well, they have touched. Well, they can reach us. Email. Yes. Um, but uh, keep in mind we have a ton of other great episodes covering the latest in movies, TV shows, and games including our spoiler-free review for the Apple TV original series Hello Tomorrow Uh, and if you enjoyed this discussion on the MCU we also have an episode we put out a couple weeks ago uh, which you might enjoy we took a look back at the MCU leading into Phase 5 so you can check out our MCU look back episode to hear our thoughts on the best and worst of the MCU so far as well as what we hope for Phase 5 and I'll be the first to admit that our predictions got a little bit wild, a little crazy, mine in particular. Um, plus, we also have some interviews with the cast and crew of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Justin sat down with Catherine Newton, who plays Cassie Lang in the film. And I had a lovely chat with Peyton Reed, the director of the Ant-Man trilogy. Those interviews are already out uh, either here on podcast services um, if you want to sort of hear a little bit more about them and uh, Justin's experience at the red carpet in Toronto or on our YouTube at youtube.com slash geekcentric and we're on TikTok uh, at we are geekcentric so you can check out uh, all of those wonderful TikToks and our reels on Instagram again at we are geekcentric um, and lastly listen if you believe that this is the way well, we've got our Mandalorian Season 3 coverage coming real soon as that series is dropping, uh, pr- like, I think within the next week or so. Um, so I really look forward to that. Uh, look forward to a yet another Watch Club. We're going to have weekly breakdowns uh, for that series. Timing might be a little bit tricky with some stuff going on with Star Wars Celebration, so we'll, we'll keep you in the loop and we'll figure it out. But listen, this is the way. Uh, and... We might just have an interview with a certain director from that series as well on its way. So, again, subscribe here. Click all the things. Click all the bells. Follow us on our socials. Justin, thank you so much for joining me for this timely, spoiler-filled discussion. And as we say, love ya. Peace. <laughs>